Started with our post-race media availability. We're joined by our race winner, Denny Hamlin, and crew chief, Chris Gapehart, and owner, Joe Gibbs. Just a couple of quick facts before we get going. Um, this is, uh, Hamlin, with Hamlin's win this tonight, he moves solely into the 17th on the all-time NASCAR Cup Series wins list, breaking his tie with NASCAR Hall of Famer Buck Baker. Uh, this is his fourth Cup win at Richmond, and Joe Gibbs Racing series-leading 18th win at Richmond Raceway. So with that, uh, we'll go ahead and open it up to questions. Please state your name and affiliation, and we'll get a wireless mic to you. Let's go ahead and start right here with Matt. Matt Weaver, Racing America. This is for Chris. Um, I had to look at my notes. I was kind of re reverse deconstructing this race. So on lap uh, 260, um, you had or you'd called Denny to pit road. You had thought about keeping him out, and that would have put him in front of the 24. So I'm curious, what was the mindset there and would that have changed the entire course of your race? Yeah, so you're talking about when we had run that short little stint yeah. and then got a caution there. Yeah, so it, it even goes back earlier than that. The, the stage prior to that, we ran one stop where everybody else ran two. And my sole purpose for doing that was just save a set of tires for an instant where a caution would come out and everybody wouldn't pick because they didn't have a set. We got that break early in stage three. And um, he was driving to the front. I mean, it was going to be five more laps. We were going to take the lead, and we got a caution. But at that point – Which is not what we wanted. No, we wanted it to keep going because we were going to be in really good shape. Got that early caution, and it was a tough decision because we hadn't made up all the track position I wanted to make up, but you can't get greedy. At that point, we had at least made up enough that now we're in contention. Come down pit road and, and have a good pit stop, and he can go out and race it from there. And – that's what he did. Now, obviously, some guys stayed out. It ended up working out really well for them, too. But I just didn't feel like that was going to be the winning play for our car and our team. And so I brought it down pit road, and the rest was history. And for Danny, you guys were kind of going back and forth trying to figure out what the right call was. And how much trust does there have to be between you and a crew chief to be able to land on a strategy that you both feel comfortable and confident with? Yeah, I mean, most times we're, we're kind of on the same page, and when we're not, I kind of understand my role uh, in it. You know, he's got way more information uh, than I do. So, um, you know, I know what my job is when we go long. I know what my job is when we go short. Like, uh, he, he keeps me informed, but, you know, he just tells me what to do, and I try to do my best. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a great – professional working relationship that has, has worked well for us. Okay, let's go right here. Then we'll come up to Bob. This is for all three of you. Um, asked you, Denny, you know, before the race yesterday about this being a barometer for the organization. Obviously, really successful day for the organization, getting the win. Martin um, leading laps, Christopher leading some laps, and Kyle in contention all day. How do you feel about this car that maybe you didn't see in Phoenix or, or the other weeks and just the development that kind of led to your victory today? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously we, we've been searching a little bit. Um, you know, the first six races haven't gone great, uh, but we've had, you know, some good, you know, over half of them we've had winning cars. I know that sounds crazy, you know, but, you know, Daytona, I'm sure we'd be fine. And Atlanta, we were good. And Vegas thought we had a great shot to win there. And now there's been some struggles in those other ones. Um, but, uh, you know, we just uh, – we, we go to work. I mean, you know, Joe does a great job motivating all of our group as if, you know, I, as if I need motivating. Um, <laughs> but it's – you know, we, we work really hard. And we know that, you know, waiting seven races to, to win is, 
you know, not we have a, a level of you know, performance that we expect more than that. So um, I'm, I'm glad we we're able to kind of turn the ship around at least for, for a week. And then next week, we're going to see if we've um, you know, really started to build some momentum going forward. But, uh, you know, I, I don't want to look too far ahead because I, I certainly want to celebrate this one. Uh, but it sure is a positive sign considering, you know, kind of how, how we ran as an organization at uh, Phoenix. Um, but you never know. I mean, it's been a great track for Joe Gibbs Racing for many, many years for whatever reason. Um, I think a lot of it comes from, you know, me and Kyle, you know, really pushing each other to get really good on these short tracks. And Martin, you know, it, it has really turned the corner and been one of the best short track racers that we have in our sport in the last, you know, probably four or five years. And um, so when you got teammates you can feed off of like that, it's you're, you're going to have a, a great chance to win. Go ahead, Bob. Bob Hawkers, Fox Sports. I had two first for Denny. Uh, did you have a lot of confidence that you were going to be able to run down William there, or did, did it kind of come I, late? Yeah, I told him I never even saw William. Once he kind of pulled away from me a little bit in that second-to-last run, I didn't see him from that point forward till um, eight to go. Um, so I, I just uh, once I kind of looked at the gap from had that I gained from eight to go to six to go, I was like, like we're gonna we're gonna catch him. I was a little worried with the lap cars that were trying to stay on lead lap and get you know the, the lap back. Um, you know the, there were a couple Fords that were side by side. You know when I had Harvick right behind me, but um, overall I just uh, I knew that I was racing the four uh, for the most part, and it was just a matter of time on the twenty four. And for Joe, uh, Ben Bayshore is obviously a little frustrated with that call to bring Kyle in uh, for the tape on the grill, which they said had been on there for a couple hundred laps. I'm curious if, I know Ben talked to NASCAR. I'm curious if you talked to NASCAR, and is, is there any, are you miffed about it? No, I haven't, but I will. I think the point was, you know, when that happened, if that was a penalty, then address it. And it wasn't until, I think, two stops later. And so I think that's our concern of, you know, because that would cha completely change their strategy. And uh, so I think that'll be something we discuss and go over. Okay, let's come up here to Al. Yeah, Coach Al Pearson, Motor Week. There haven't been many times during your term as an owner when you've had to pep talk a team. You've had pretty pretty good sailing. What? How did you approach this kind of mini slump? Did you sit down with everybody individually or one big group or what? No, I, I give the credit to the crew chiefs. They're the coaches over here, and they're in it. Uh, it's for them. It's you know every day, 18 hours a day. So uh, they do a good job with it. Our meetings on Mondays, we talk everything over. There's discussions about. You know, how do we go forward? How do we make this up? And I think generally as a group, we just got real good, real good people. And we know we're giving it everything. And I think, I think what it, this shows is how hard it is because we've got great people working really hard. And, you know, my I always give credit to the people that found it. They go after it. They're winning races. And that's what we want to do. But we got a great group. And I just thank the Lord that we got this because it means so much to every one of these are hard to get. I know Denny and Chris will tell you that because 
they are hard to get. Last year, I think we were nine times we were top three or something and, and didn't get to win. And so these are hard to get. It's great for FedEx. It's great for our sponsors. You know, it's great for Toyota. And so that's what I always think about, you know, is those people. And everybody back at the race shop, you know, Corey leading that group on the, the other side. Uh, all those guys, I wish they were here to enjoy it, you know, when you get a win like this. But I'm taking some time here because it's just a big deal for us. Uh, he, he d the motivation from the team comes by the example that Joe sets. And, you know, Joe is um, not in his younger years, but he works full-time at the race shop. <laughs> I couldn't imagine, you know, you know, double my life from now working as hard as he does. And so he can crack the whip and go home and relax or whatever, but he doesn't. He, he works hard himself. And that the people that work in the shop see him walk in the shop floor for eight hours a day. And so it ain't like you know, he's just a, an owner and, and makes the calls and y'all just go do the rest. He's hands-on owner. And you, I've been part of this organization from the very beginning, and it's not hard to want to work hard for him because he, he puts his, you know, life and blood into this race team. This is what he does. This is his family races for a living. And so, um, I just the guy's worth work ethic is just unmatched, and you know that's what's so great about this team, and and makes you feel good when you can get a win for him. Here, here, okay, let's go. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Pat disagrees with you. We <laughs> we tried staying at home. That doesn't work in our our family. <laughs> Thank you, Denny. Yeah. Us over here. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. A couple for Chris. Um, you referenced, you know, Phoenix. Can you give me a sense of? I don't know if it's let down that that weekend is was and how the process of going and attacking things. Obviously, you guys work hard every week to get the results and the change from Phoenix to here and what what went into what what you guys got, what JGR got. Yeah, that's that's a tough question, and and in today's NASCAR schedule, the one thing that's hard to find is anything common. Like, we're comparing Richmond to Phoenix, which <laughs> any insider would tell you is not much of a comparison. But it's it's all we have to draw off of these days because they've done such a nice job. Hello. They've they nope. We're all dead. I'll, I'll talk. They they've done such a nice job diversifying schedules such that there is not a common grip. I mean, the first seven races, they're all wildly different. Yeah. And you're going to go to Martinsville, it's different again. And then a dirt race, and then on and on and on. So, you know, yes, we learned stuff leaving, leaving Phoenix. Test, test. Yes, we've learned something leaving Phoenix that we're going to move forward to here with. But, you know, listen, this is, a, this is a great track for our company. It's a great track for our drivers. Um, it, it's one week, but it feels good to, to get it right as a, as a company. And, um, you know, for me, while, I, while not getting into details, what I keep telling everybody, what I'm looking forward to most is that I know we're not at our best right now. Yeah. 
there's a lot of things internally that we got to get better and we're on a road to doing it and uh it's nice to be able to win in spite of that to be honest and also um you guys you talk about the strategy you guys got off or the 19 got off on a different strategy here so at the end of the day jgr was covered with two different strategies i think the point can be looked at and this is a little bit different situation but at vegas where the uh, you know all the JGR, JGR cars did the same thing, so you did it, the, the Hendrick move wasn't covered. How much when you go through the strategy? How was the decision to kind of go in the way you were going and not go off in a different path to make sure that you know JGR was covered? It could have been you guys as opposed to the 19. How was that? Or is that as much done by the command center uh, feeding you certain things, or how is that done? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I think the success of our company, I think Joe could speak to this, is sometimes a downfall, and that he allows the and encourages the head coaches and the drivers to to you know be selfish and, and to do what you think's right for your race team at all times. And I, I think you can't argue with the number of wins that have come from that mentality. But when it comes to covering all aspects of a race, to your point, when a strategy is split, that is not top of mind because we think more about what's best for your car number than what's best for the team. So sometimes like Vegas, you'll see where, you know, you don't diverge the way you should to cover all your bases or converge in the case of Vegas. I could, I could make some points of some things maybe should have done different in hindsight there. Unfortunately, we were you know, looking at bent control arms again. But um, it's difficult, and it's a very fine line to walk, and I, and I can't imagine all the experience in, in years of, of coaching and leading people that Joe has seen, and certainly this race team. Um, there's, there's Mondays where you wish it were different, and there's Mondays where you're glad it's not. But I think overall, you learn from all of those situations, and Clearly, our way of doing things has stood the test of time as, as being pretty good. So um, to answer your question specifically about this race, it, it was I felt like we were more of a short run car than a long run car. Um, generally speaking, I felt like the four kind of behind me, there's a very short window when you're supposed to do certain things. And, and he set it off. We were on the fence about which way we were going to go. So as much playing the man as playing the situation. And once it gets got set off a certain way, um, you, you work all day long, all, all year long to train your instincts. That's why you work Monday through Saturday. Um, and, and all of the race team does and Denny does. But in the instance, you've got to trust your instincts. If you think long, you will think wrong. And um, it was just something about that moment. I knew, okay, we're going this direction, and that's what we did. Hey, back here. Barry Richmond, Piedmont Broadcast in WAKG in Danville. Uh, I guess you touched on, Chris, about not necessarily being able to transfer Phoenix to Richmond to other short tracks. But, um, Denny, from the perspective of the current-gen car, what's been the biggest adjustment as a driver that you've uh, had to make and maybe this, the strength that you see in this current incarnation of the current gen car? Well, I, I think that, you know, 
for me, it's just I, I was kind of really honed in on the previous generation car on each track and, you know, had enough notes and enough memory, track memory at each one of them to know that what I was searching for in a feel uh, that was correct and, and won races. And the challenge to this one is figuring out what this car likes and how it makes speed. And I got to start all over again. Um, when I come to these racetracks. So that's the biggest challenge of it beyond any, you know, shifting or braking or steering or anything like that. Uh, those are all challenges, but it's more just figuring out what makes this car tick and what makes it go around the racetrack in the shortest amount of time and what is my role in that. Uh, for a coach, uh, two days straight, um, victory yesterday, victory today. Uh, here at Richmond. Talk about that from an organizational standpoint. I can tell you this, we love coming to Richmond and we got so many people here that uh, we know and pull for us and the football world and all that. So it's really, for some reason, when we come here, I say it's probably our favorite place to come. If you want a victory, I'll put it that way. And so we feel good about it and, you know, I'm just thrilled to uh, have a chance to win at a place like this where there's so many great fans and so many of them, we've been around for a long time. So we just appreciate coming here. Go ahead, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic, I have a few questions, so bear with me. Um, Denny, this is for you. When, when you kind of start off like you have this year, do you look back at previous slow starts of the year, you know, 2010, first five races, your best finish was 17th, and yet you, know, you almost won the championship that year. Do you draw strength from that? Um, well, I thought that there was no year that compared to this one, but that's, that's good that, you know, that I, I didn't realize that. Um, but you know, I honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I went on NASCAR.com for the first time and looked at the standings last week. Yeah. I just knew we were buried. I, I, whether you're 32nd or 23rd, it's like, what's the difference, right? It's just, yeah, I know with it, we got a hole to dig out of, but you know, I, I told you guys on Saturday, like. Am I concerned? No, you know, like we're, we're going to be okay. We're going to make the playoffs. So, you know, if we don't, then he should fire me, but, um, I'm not really, yeah, <laughs> but instead now I'm going to ask for a raise. So <laughs> you always do that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I didn't, I don't draw parallels to it. Every season is so different. Um, but just, you know, certainly our, our points position at the time wasn't indicative of like we were a 20 something place team. Um, but did I think we were like a 10th place team? Yeah, probably, you know, that's probably about right. Uh, when you average it all out. Uh, but I mentioned three tracks in the first six that I thought, okay, well, we could have won those if we didn't make mistakes. So, um, I, I didn't, I don't get too panicked because like we talked about with the team, they just have so many good people that eventually it, it works itself out when you can't just continue to have, you know, cautions not fall your way and, you know, get run into here and there. And it's just like eventually that starts, can't roll the dice and it continue to roll seven out every time. Eventually you're going to hit a point here and there. So uh, the odds are that if you just keep, keep banging on the door, it's going to open. And that's what we're trying to do. And this question is for Chris. Chris, 
you hear Denny talk about not being panicked or anything. How, what was your assessment through this? Were you panicked? Were you, did you believe we're going to be just fine? This is going to work itself out. We've had speed some weeks, and eventually we're going to make the playoffs, and no problem. Yeah, the, the answer is exactly the same um, as his. But, but I will say the, the catalyst for such uncertainty was this next-gen car that is now current-gen car. And, and it is not only is it so different to drive, but it, it is massively different. I mean, it is the fundamentals of what it takes to make this car go good from a technical aspect are literally backwards. And um, because of that, you, you see a lot of, of parity and comers and goers with good setups and bad setups. And then you've got the difficulties of learning how to drive them and making some mistakes along the way. And the difficulties of, of learning the parts and pieces and, and dealing with some of the failures as a as an industry, trying to learn a new car, and, and all of the competition uh, gets wrapped up in some of that. And <laughs> I'll give you a great example. Uh, Chase Elliott coming into this race, I think, was the points leader, right? And I, I honestly, when I learned that leaving uh, Coda last week, for some reason it floored me. And, and the reason was not that Chase and that team isn't a fantastic team, but it was it was literally the opposite of us. I don't think they've been stellar anywhere, but they've not had any whammies, evidently, you know, because I think of Ross Chastain, that guy's been killing it. And he was like fifth in points, but he's evidently had some whammies along the way with these new cars and, and circumstances that, that right now there's just a lot of uncertainty. And Denny, I know, has been been beating the drum on it a lot that you're going to see comers and goers very quickly in the standings right now and it's just because things are are so new but you, too many good people you got toyota you got fedex you got joe gibbs racing you got all the brilliant people that i get a chance to work with day in and day out you, you ain't gonna hold people like that back you just got to keep working stay the course and you'll get your wins last question for me um, kind of following up on Bob's question earlier about the tape on the grill, Chris. Um, what is, an ex for your perspective as a crew chief, what is a, an acceptable response from NASCAR when they're reviewing something like that? This apparently happened 125-ish, and you know they didn't learn until you know 50 laps to go or thereabouts. I, I don't know any of the details about what happened there, so I can't comment on it much. All I heard was in my – I scan NASCAR. Some crew chiefs do, some don't. I do, and I heard them – post the 18 for putting tape on or having tape on the grill. And again, without getting specifics to the technical side of the cars, you wouldn't do that. It, so there's no reason. So I thought to myself, God, I don't know. Maybe they tried to put tape on a brake duct and missed or something. I, I, I don't know. Um, or I, I was thinking, could it have been debris? Like, you know, pick up some. I, I just didn't know. Um, but the bottom line is there, there's no reason uh, that you would want to do that. So I was confused by the whole situation. Okay, we'll go all the way in the back and then up to Bob. Jordan Monner on Odyssey Richmond. Uh, Denny, you kind of talked about it a little bit in victory lane, but and, and even Coach kind of touched on it. Getting a win here at Richmond, obviously everyone knows you're from Chesterfield and that sort of thing, but does it make it that much more special? Like, does it does it have any sort of different feel going to victory lane at Richmond? Um, and then a, a second question, uh, you, you talk about coaches' work ethic in the shop. For you as an as a owner yourself, do you sort of model your, your sort of ownership style off of Coach Gibbs, and do you sort of lean on him a little bit 
for 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 guidance or yeah. advice or anything like that I as mean, an owner? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could work as many hours as he does, but uh, you know, I've got you know my job uh, here is the driver of the eleven car, and you know, I I, I really donate you know at least four days a week on that and that's my focus and then you know I shift to my team in the middle stages of the week the Tuesday Wednesday Thursday um, you know set up all my meetings uh, for that for the, for the team on on their on those days um, but yeah it's uh, I, there's a lot that I model after Joe um, you know or when we talked about building the team it was he was the first person I sat down and and, and asked and the first thing he says you're an idiot and then the um, you know the, you know the second thing is let me know how I can help like and and we, we need his help we, we, we need his help all the time we're um, you know my people talk to his people that are in the same departments and um, we obviously have a technical alliance with those guys so we really rely on them quite a bit uh, on that side um, you know we're not ready to hire 200 or 300 people quite yet um, but you know it's it's an important working relationship that you know I hope continues for a, a very long time. Um, you know the, these guys are the ones that took the chance on me. I mean there's there's no doubt about it. There wasn't any other top teams at the time looking to sign me uh, way back in the day. Just a short track guy, and then FedEx just you know what a risk you know to like just trust in what him and what his son was saying that we believe in this. And so that, that certainly is, is special for me. Um, but as far as your question about the track, yeah, it's, it, it is more special. There's no question about it. Um, I had more family and friends here than any other racetrack. I, I drove all the way to Amelia last night and hung out with a bunch of friends in their barn, froze my ass off, had a beer, one beer, and uh, but it was like it was fun to just kind of get back and see everyone from school and you know it was just it was just so cool to kind of see all that and, and spend time with them and um it was uh you know did, did it mean that we won no but it just it's a it's a big feeling inside when they all come to the race and say you know we'll see you after in victory lane right and then you're able to do it so uh, it's it's just special because I, I sat in the stands here and watched the greatest short track drivers run around here. I've watched them different techniques, and this track hasn't changed. The shape of it have, hasn't changed. So I watched you know guys like Rusty that were extremely good here, like their lines entering turn one, and you know that changes with cars and stuff. But still, the way they make speed is such an art form, and. Um, you know, you just try to do your best as the driver. And I mean, I, I got Kevin right behind me pressuring me, but I knew that no matter what, if I hit my marks and I concentrate on my job, that like it was going to be very difficult for him to, to get around me. And part of hitting my marks is like I can't miss it by that much. If I do, my car takes off and then I miss it by three feet and then I'm in big trouble. So you have to be so precise at this racetrack uh, because there's there's specific time being made in a certain way that it, it's just it is it is art. Okay, come up here to Bob. Uh, Bob Hawkers, Fox Sports for Chris and Coach. Uh, can you evaluate the new choreography on the pit stops? Uh, Coach got to watch it from a much different lens than me. Obviously, I'm focused on 
on the 11 car, my guys, but in general, I would say our pit crew has been on fire all year. Um, we probably really haven't given them the 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 results that they deserve. Uh, so this was this win was especially thrilling for me in so many ways, and and one of which was we gave them the ball twice in the last stage, not once, and both times they executed flawlessly. I mean, they gained us time both times, and when and when you're performing this really long 140 lap math problem, um, them exceeding those numbers just buys you money in the bank. And, and they've been doing that all year. Um, the latest choreography was a big part of that. I'm not gonna downplay that. And uh, uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained, uh, nothing great comes without risk. And uh, I'm happy to be a part of um, continuing to push those boundaries. Yeah, I mean, it was a team win. I mean, he had such a huge role. The pit crew had such a huge role. I had a huge role. The people in the shop had such a huge role. Like it was, this might have been one of the biggest team. Like everyone had a hand in uh, this this victory, and that that's super satisfying. Okay, let's come over here to the middle. Right here. Yeah, I I think it's a work in progress. I think it's something that our guys have really worked hard on, and um, so I, I think this is the first time that you know the game plan was to use it here, I think, NASCAR and everybody. But I think it'll be interesting because I think we had some of our guys with regular choreography and some with that. And so I think that'll be, a, like I said, a work in progress. We'll analyze it and see what we think. And uh, that's, that's one of the fun things about sports. You know, you get something new and a different way of doing something. I, I think that's one of the fun things. Michael Massey, Front Stretch. Uh, have you guys ever had a race, Denny and Chris, where you started out, it seemed like you guys weren't the best car in your stable. The other three cars at one point were in the top six. You weren't even in the top ten. Uh, have you ever had a race where you just figured it out like that before? And even before the strategy with the fresher tires, you guys really picked it up. Yeah, there were two key restarts. One is when we had the tire advantage that got us you know, into the top 10. And then once we got there, I had another really good one that got us into the top three or four. And, you know, that just it changed the game. I mean, you know, the arrow is just so sensitive on these cars. The further you go to the front, the better your car just naturally is. And, and it's crazy to because even when they get strung out, it's just your car just runs faster. You know, I, it's hard to explain it. Um, but we made it better too. We, we certainly made our car better. Um, it takes time to adapt to your car and figuring out for me, okay, well, this is what I've got. We're not going to change this problem that we have in the car unless we put it in the garage. So how can I make the best lap time I can given this problem that I have? And it just takes a while for me to start to understand it and you know, once I start to understand it, then I can tell him how he can improve the things that we can change. And so um, really there wasn't any panic. You know, I kind of knew, listen, I was frustrated. We weren't in the top 10 and we were just kind of hanging around there. Um, but we just kind of worked. I mean, that's the way we do it is he says, you know, tell me what you need. I try to do the best to, to give him the information he needs, but, and then he works his strategy and then 
I do my job on the restarts. And so it's just, it's why it works is that, you know, you don't give up and you just um, do your job and you have faith that they're going to do theirs. And then does this make up at all for last year where you guys kind of played the opposite role and dominated and had it taken from you? Uh, I always, nothing makes up, you know, that's just not the way that we think, right? It's like you still think that <laughs> you should have won the ones you should have won, but it's, it, it is exciting. I mean, certainly it's exciting to win them in this sort of fashion. You'd, you'd love to win by a lap, but if you can win on the last lap, that's the more exciting way to win. Uh, Adam Cheek, Frenchers.com, Richard Times Dispatch, and Odyssey Rich. And to kind of piggyback off of what my coworker Jordan said, um, getting the win at Richmond, how special this track is, did it make it that much more gratifying after coming so close last year and not having one here in like five years? Yeah, uh, he actually asked me when was the last time, and I couldn't remember. I think it was 17 uh, that we won. But, uh, you know, I just I, I take a lot of pride in, in you know, the way I approach short tracks and stuff. And, you know, my, my way is sometimes antiquated at some tracks, and, you know, I have to adapt. Uh, but, yeah, it's just these types of tracks, like, he knows I get really frustrated when we, we don't run well at this type of racetrack because I feel like I can make a difference. Uh, I feel like I know the feel that I want to feel in the car, and it just becomes frustrating from my standpoint when I can't get the car to do what I want it to do. Um, but as long as you trust the process and, and you go to work when you have those bad races, typically when, you, when, when we come back, we're, we're usually always better because of our process to, to you know, figure out you know, the margins and where we need to get better. And, and I do my part, he does his. Okay, let's go over to Chase and then we'll go upstairs for the press box for one. Chase Willem, NASCAR.com. Denny, um, there's been a lot of attention on the aggress aggression of younger drivers as well as the recent stretch of wins by younger drivers. Do you feel like today was a race where, especially towards the end, where the differing pit strategies and the tire conservation favored veterans like you and Harvick? Yeah, I mean, I, thought I, I think I talked to um, radio about that before the race, and, and they said that, you know, this is going to be a veteran day. I, I don't know. I mean, Blaney led for a lot of it, and then, you know, Truex uh, got up there, and then Byron did, but, um, yeah, I, it's it's tough to, you know, really draw a parallel to that, but um, it's just, when, when you have so many laps at a track like this that is so technical, even though it doesn't look technical, it is, usually with track knowledge does matter uh, at this track, and so, um, you know, Harvick's run a more laps than I have around here, uh, but you know, Truex, myself, Harvick, we, we've got a ton around here. And when our car is not running <laughs> or performing how we need it to perform, we can do things to manipulate it to maximize lap time to at least put us in the game. So um, I think being a veteran of the sport, you know, probably helps in those instances. Okay, let's go up to the press box. Uh, Chris Nightcatchfence.com. Uh, Chris, is there anything that you learned this weekend at Richmond and perhaps what you can learn next weekend at Martinsville that you can apply to Bristol in two weeks with the next gen car? Bristol dirt? Uh, I don't know. The, the neat part about uh, where we're at right now is there's so little that the race teams know that every lap on the racetrack, you better be learning something. And it's pretty significant. Like we, we struggled at Phoenix and 
went to a Darlington test, and I learned a ton about Phoenix at Darlington <laughs> that I helped apply to this race. So, I mean, that tells you where we're at. I mean, Phoenix, Darlington, Richmond. So you got to be learning each and every day, each and every week. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I know with our team specifically, and when I say team, I mean Joe Gibbs Racing and, and certainly the eleven. We got a lot of good stuff coming. Um, we're not hitting on all eight right now, but we know the direction we got to march. And, and uh, while all race teams, I'm sure, can say that to a certain degree right now because the car's so new, um, it's a lot of fun from that aspect. It's a lot of work. It's super frustrating because I know he's not going to drive a perfect race car on any Sunday right now. You're just not there. You're just not going to get it that perfect right now. Um, but our job is to be better than everyone else not be perfect. And today we found a way to do that. Go ahead, Kelly. Kelly Crandall, racer.com. Chris, I've got two for you. Um, I'm just curious, obviously with, it's a long season already, NASCAR, and now this year is the one off week later in the summer. How concerned are you about just monitoring your guys for burnout and just making sure you're taking care of them when it comes to just being put through the ringer this year? Uh, for sure. Definitely uh, enough that I spent weeks of the off season putting together an organized schedule that would give each of my guys um, two extra weekends off, and it's done in a in a way that won't hurt the race team. It's scheduled, choreographed. It's not haphazard. They all know what weekends they're getting off and when, because um, I think it's a big deal. Uh, on on top of rolling out a new car, we're now all traveling more than we have with a much reduced roster um part shortages you know there's no secret on all that so it's a lot of work for these guys it's a big deal and uh i i spent a lot of time in the off season trying to get it to where i thought we could get it yeah, and then my second question which is were you going to be in a position to maybe swap guys out and move people around if you had to it's all done yeah. yep i i literally from race one to 36 they all know when they're getting off and who's going and how behind the wall choreography is going to change i mean it's a big deal. Uh, I, I didn't want it to be a distraction. If you didn't do it right week to week, it would be a distraction. But I wanted it to be such that everybody could plan an off weekend with their families and all that's been done. Okay, let's go over here. Let Anybody got anything for Joe? Let him go home. Well, they're yelling at me back there. Thank there you. There you go. Let Matt. One more for Joe. How about upstairs? Anyone? Any more questions for Joe? Yeah, uh, Randy Holman from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Uh, you, you talked about the uncertainty of, of, the, of trying to learn how to work the car and the things you learn from track to track that, that sort of translated. So when you go to Martinsville, do you yeah. think you've got any tricks up your sleeve that are going to work there? Joe, you got any tricks up your sleeve Please. for Martinsville? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be standing on the sideline praying. That's about <laughs> all I got. Now, I, I think you probably meant you know, to Denny. So on that one, I, it's it's week like Chris said, it's so week to week. I I I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I hope not. But you know, we win this week, we could run fifteenth. I, I I have no idea. You know, until we go back to track for the second time, um, everything is so new that it's impossible to predict. I, I I could see Martinsville be one of the different, more different races for a guy like Denny that we've went to yet. I mean, Denny is so honed in at Martinsville through so many different types of car over his career. But in a cup car, we just took 80 horsepower away from him. We gave him a two-inch wider tire. It's a 200-pound heavier car. 
It's got a higher center of gravity. And it's got better brakes. He's going to go to Martinsville in the first 10 laps if he has lost his last year's Easter egg because he was so honed in on what was perfection for Martinsville for that car over so many years. And this car is going to be wildly different. So I, I think that's fun. I think, that, I think that's a lot of fun for you guys to watch. I think that's why you're seeing great racing. Um, but, golly, it's a lot of learning right now for these guys for sure. Yeah, for Coach, uh, this is probably for the debrief early this week, but have you had a chance to talk to John Hunter and Ty and get them together and kind of walk through what happened on Saturday? Yeah, we – you always – you don't want something like that to wind up like that, particularly for John Hunter and I think Ty – tried to explain yesterday that he was going in there with the intent you know I think he was definitely going to try and get underneath and make a move to win he just didn't think that he would probably hit him that hard so I, I know I'll talk to him and what I always talk to Ty about is going right to the person immediately and he's been pretty good about that so I would think they would talk that over we like John Hunter a lot I, I that that car was a very fast car and they did a great job with it. But I think that's always between the drivers, you know? And so I just encourage them to talk about it. Yeah. You know what was pretty funny, though? I asked Joe about 10 minutes after the race, <laughs> what's your thoughts? And he says, hope you win tomorrow. <laughs> this is I all right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm to, yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. How we how we do on that, Coach? Yeah. We yeah. delivered on that, didn't we? <laughs> hey, thank y'all. Okay, we got time for one more. Let's wrap it up over here. This is for both Chris and Denny. Uh, with how different everything is now with the Gen Seven car, is there anything you can take from the LA Coliseum for Martinsville? Yeah, that's insane, right? I'm I'm telling you, uh, and I and and I I save. The only thing you probably can't take to Martinsville would be something from Daytona. I mean, it's it's just that different. I mean, you're learning that much every week. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I, I can't I can't stress to you enough. If you're not connecting dots from week to week and track to track right now, you're not doing it right. Okay, guys, we appreciate you coming in. Good luck the rest of the year. Okay.